0: Welcome to Trashy Trashy, where we take a dumpster dive on this week's garbage people and a look at all the trashiest news stories. My name is Erica, and I am your host. And my name is Cassandra, and I'm your
1: other host. Hi. Hi. How are you? I'm good. I'm watching season five of RuPaul's Drag Race. So hi. Such an old season. <laughs> but that's how I talk now. I exclusively watch, I'm going to
0: hoard it, but I exclusively am watching the UK Drag Race. You've already
1: hoarded it, I think. Have I? Good. I to mean, know. why else would I know about it? We don't uh, talk.
0: <laughs> we don't between podcasts. We don't communicate. No. <laughs> I have. Ex- I've been watching it to the point where my boyfriend's like, "Can you talk to me like Erica?"
1: Oh my god, you're just walking around the house with an accent.
0: Yeah, I'm like, you're all right, love, and he's like, okay. We're,
1: I watched. I watched all of season four in like two days and then pretty much the majority of season five yesterday, all day. And I've noticed that my energy with other people is off, like- my my boyfriend came over to have dinner with me and my roommate and like they were both like hey why are you being so short with us why are you being weird and I was like I don't I don't know and I was like the only explanation I could think of is I've spent all day watching drag queens <laughs> so my patience is thin because <laughs> their patience is always so thin or at least it's edited mm-hmm. that way so definitely only something I can do when I don't have like Social engagements or any any plans whatsoever. So yesterday was perfect because I wasn't feeling well. But like, um, I have to I have to, you know, it it feels like a drug right now because honestly, like, it's all I want to do. But I I have to chill. I totally understand. I again, I've been binging
0: the season one of UK. I'm watching season two as it's on right now. Oh it's, wow. it's the world I want to be immersed in. Yeah, it's just more fun to be
1: immersed in drug
0: culture. A quick update. On our episode Critter Critter, Mm. my so for those of you who are new to the podcast, Cassandra played a game in high school called sex. (laughs) I had one in high school called Critter and my roommate from New Jersey had one called Padiddle and they were all the same basis of the game
1: yeah where you're a teenager in a car and something for us it was a out-of-state license plate broken taillight or a yellow car last person to hit the roof of the car and say sex had to lose a piece of clothing because you're a teenager and your hormones are fucking crazy
0: oh my goodness i just thought that was great that that is a universal game just the name changes
1: if you had a game like this please Tell us what it was called, because if it had a different name, we, we want to know about it. We just love it. We love it. Why are you trash this week? Okay, so I went to, if you follow me on Instagram, this is like, we already know this, but I went to a Spanish market in my neighborhood, and I was going shopping for, you know, like the things I was going to make for dinner that night. And I happened to come across in one of the aisles, which I mean, like, you know, like if you've ever been to a Spanish supermarket, like sometimes these aisles are pretty chaotic. And I just saw the, a box of iced oatmeal cookies, the little Dutch made brand, which I'm like, I just never have seen before in my life, but I'll recognize those cookies till the day I die. These are the cookies that my grandma would always have. Mm -hmm. Well, not always because I would eat them all, but like, I think she always had them. She hid them from me. They're so good. So I was like, Holy shit. They're the cookies. They're here. Oh my God. So I bought a pack of cookies. I ate the entire pack in one night.
0: Oh, like, my goodness. <laughs> this
1: is 21 to 28 cookies. And I'm having, I think my roommate had like two, maybe three. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ate the whole first, it, it's like in three little sleeves. I ate the whole first sleeve before I even got home. I I was just going and going. I, I blacked out. And so they were all gone by the end of that night. And <laughs> I I just, I can't believe myself. I, I had no breaks, no breaks with those cookies. so i'm not I'm not going to go back and buy anymore. I obviously can't be trusted. Why are you trash? And uh, in, in high school, another historical trash, mm. I was a part
0: of a leadership council that got to plan a summer camp that I had been going to since I was in the fifth grade. And it okay. was a huge deal for me. I got like elected. I got to be on the student advisory. Like you plan the camp board, which has been a goal of mine since I found out about it, probably in the fifth grade, you know, like to be a leader, loved, loved leadership, loved to be a leader. Yeah. And it was me and four boys. And we used to play this game in Walmart, where we would say penis, starting off with a whisper as people walked by us, and then eventually just shouting the name penis or the word penis,
1: <laughs> the name at the top of our lungs. Yeah, it's a penis game. A penis game. It's, we uh, played this. You you never. Yeah, I think this is another one of those things. Like everyone, like it was always penis. But it was the from what I understand, the objective was start start lower, mm-hmm. and then see who's brave enough to go the loudest. So my strategy was always to start loud. Yeah. Because I wasn't afraid of anything. Although when someone would try to top my loud penis, I'd be like, then I'd be like, oh boy, they they they, they took it to yeah. a 15. You got to pull out the showstopper. Yeah. And then the game is over like so fast. So it is, yeah. it's fun to start low and then, yeah, just see who can get the highest. But whenever I just hear like a random screaming penis, then I know I'm like, oh, good. The youth are at it. <laughs> the uh, I just thought game.
0: The classic penis game that we yeah. would play in Walmart and haunt the aisles with our loudness.
1: I wonder if I could, we could start like a TikTok trend. Like, you know how like they all like duet with each other? Uh-huh. Like where it's the penis game.
0: Oh, that's a great idea. That's fun. I bet that would take off. I, I don't, can you say penis on TikTok though? Why not? Because they have a lot of rules against, like I couldn't show a, A video of somebody smoking a cigarette. They took it down, and I got, like, a strike against my account for showing a video where two people were smoking. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That's weird. TikTok's weird, man. You know what else is weird? What's weird? When bears do cocaine.
1: Oh, we should talk about our first story, then. I think you'll love it. (laughs) Great. According to Slate.com, they're making a movie about the cocaine bear. Wait, what? Here it is, The True Story of the Cocaine Bear. So Elizabeth Banks is going to direct a movie based on the true story of the cocaine bear. Phil Lord and Chris Miller of Lego Movie Fame will produce the screen. And the screenplay is by Jimmy Warden. And yes, it's the true story of the cocaine bear. I don't know what the cocaine bear is. Do you know what the cocaine bear is? Well, I've read this article a couple times, so I do now. But I,
0: I wasn't familiar with the cocaine bear prior so- to that.
1: Yeah, I, I saw this on Twitter and I was like, okay. But it's, it, it's it's a bear that did cocaine? Well, if you're thinking Scarface, you ought to think in the wrong direction. But this
0: involved a bear that did cocaine extremely briefly. Sometime in November of 1985, a black bear living in the Chattahoochee National Forest in North Georgia stumbled upon a, a duffel bag containing 75 pounds of 95%
1: pure cocaine. You know what I miss? And then what I wanna do when we are done with COVID, I just kinda wanna be some chattahoochies, you know? Oh, I, I'm a chattahoochie it up. Yeah. Just like chit chatting and, you know, hoochie hoochie dresses. Hey, are we allowed to say that word? Is that a bad one? Oh, hoochie? I haven't it's been a long time since I've said the word hoochie, and I'm curious, like, if uh I've made a huge mistake. I mean I know that it's like you know, a sexually pr- provocative woman. Okay, it's just misogynistic. I just needed to make sure that it wasn't racial. Okay, cool. Okay, good check. Chattahoochees. Chattahoochees for the win. <laughs> the bear, which only weighed about 175 pounds itself, ugh, lucky, ate some of the cocaine and died within 20 minutes. Uh, scarcely enough time to make any grandiose bear plans. Never mind. Hitting the clubs with Michelle Pfeiffer, which I'm assuming is a Scarface reference.
0: Yes, it is. Got it. The chief medical examiner of the Georgia State Crime Lab later estimated the bear had absorbed about three or four grams of cocaine into its bloodstream at the time of its death. After about a week, a local hunter, never identified, found the bear and told his friend about it, but didn't report it to the authorities.
1: It took three weeks for the story to trickle down to a game and fish agent through word of mouth. That agent handed the story off to Georgia Bureau of Inve- Investigation and then they discovered the bear's body on December 20th. At some point between the time the hunter found the bear and the GBI's arrival, all the cocaine disappeared. Well, doy, why the fuck did it take so long to get someone to take care of this bear? As the GBI agent noted, the bear obviously didn't eat 75 pounds of cocaine. Another agent was similarly suspicious of the empty cocaine residue-free wrappers found in the duffel bag. Something ain't right, I'll tell you that, they told reporters. What? What? (laughs) Something ain't right here. So essentially, that's that's the true story about the bear and where bears and cocaine happen. So it's Mm -hmm. not very cinematic, but they're saying how this all this cocaine made its way into the Chattahoochee National Forest is more than enough for a plot of a movie. On the morning of September 11th, 1985, Fred Never M. Myers... a dumb joke.
0: <laughs> Fred M. Myers of Knoxville, Tennessee, found a dead man in his driveway sprawled out on the back over an unopened parachute, seemingly fine except for a trickle of dried blood from each nostril. Myers later remembered hearing a crash around midnight the night before. Did he fall from the sky? Well, the dead man was wearing a bulletproof vest, night vision goggles, and carried two different pistols, ammunition, a stiletto, freeze-dried food, six Krugerans, and 4,500 cash, IDs and multiple names, a membership card to the Miami Jockey Club, and several inspirational epigrams, one which read, There is only one tactical principle not subject to change. It is to inflict the maximum amount of wounds, death and destruction on the enemy and the minimum amount of time.
1: Okay. For those what who are fuck? wondering, yeah, for those who are wondering, Krugerrands are it's that's a South African coin that's made of gold. Krugerrand to US dollar, whoa. A Krugerrand is worth 17 well, depending on what it weighs cuz it's gold, but it's worth uh, about $1700 US. Wow. So uh, Yeah, so that's a good amount of money. Other than that, I don't see anything weird. I feel like all of those, um, that whole yeah. outfit makes a lot of sense.
0: Yeah, especially the inspirational epigrams. And uh, one stiletto. One. If you're, you know, going to be a man about town, these are all seem like something you'd have in your arsenal.
1: Right. So the Federal Aviation Administration concluded that he had jumped from an altitude of 7,000 feet, gotten his parachute lines tangled with the duffel bags and supplies of cocaine strapped to his waist. The same morning, the crashed plane was discovered
0: in Macon County, North Carolina, and quickly matched with the key in Thornton's pocket. He'd apparently engaged the autopilot and sent the twin-engine Cessna toward the Atlantic before bailing out over Knoxville, but the plane didn't clear the mountains. Jesus. This movie's gonna be... insane.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Uh, okay. A few days later, a garment bag containing clothing, a pilot's handbook, and maps of Jamaica was found floating in a pond southwest of Atlanta in Butts County, butts county georgia then the cocaine started showing up
0: later in september game rangers found three duffel bags containing 210 pounds of cocaine hanging from a parachute caught in a tree in the chattahoochee
1: national forest oh my god in november a group of timber workers found another bag with 20 with another 28 pounds the cocaine bear made its fatal discovery that same month at the end of december a hunter found another 220 pounds in more in three more duffel bags this guy had a lot of cocaine. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's a, uh, I believe the, the unit is known as a shit ton.
1: <laughs> it took authorities two years to sort out what happened. But in November 1987, federal prosecutors accused Thornton's girlfriend, Rebecca Sharp, and a man named Ruben Soto, listed as a fugitive uh, in his indictment, of conspiracy to smuggle cocaine from Columbia into East Tennessee. Man, the 80s were wild. They truly were.
0: Sharp had allegedly been in Knoxville to pick up Thornton and an accomplice who had been on the plane. The plan was for the associates to collect the cocaine from the drop zones. It was never clear whether this was the original plan to get the cocaine to the U.S. distributors who were expecting it, or if Thornton was double-crossed his business partners.
1: Man, there were a lot of 1980s country stars who were really missing their cocaine. For sure. Such as the Judds or Alabama. (laughs) Chris Christofferson, Brooks and Dunn. I was really hoping that there was gonna be like one real good country star that I was gonna make a fucking like killer joke Uh about. But none of these people I know much about and um, I can't speak to their cocaine habits. So well,
0: speaking of big things that live in the woods, let's get into our next story. Oh, Uncle Richard, send in another one. Bigfoot bounty balloons to 2.1 million in massive campaign to capture the creature.
1: This is from the New York Post, too, rather than, like, Tulsa Today or... (laughs) These other ones that are all about Bigfoot. But if Bigfoot is out there, he better get out of Oklahoma. Oh, my goodness.
0: Oklahoma, not good in the news this week. Just weeks after state representative Justin Humphrey presented a bill to capture the mythical creature, the bounty, which was originally a paltry 25000 has ballooned to $2.1 million.
1: Things, you know, it, this is like Bitcoin. Like, things are only worth as much as we say they're worth. Bitcoin is not a physical thing. Neither is Bigfoot. So, yeah, fuck it. We don't have any proof that Bigfoot's not real. Oh, man. you. Once we get vaccinated, both of us, and we start doing this face-to-face, I'm going to smack you in the mouth.
0: <laughs> I'm just saying, you can't prove a negative. Isn't that the
1: expression? If Bigfoot was real, we would have found him by now. We have, like, fucking heat Like sensors and stuff. And you think they can tell the difference between
0: just regular things in the forest versus a larger mammal, you know, pre-humanoid mammal? Yes, of course they fucking can. I feel like he's out there, they know about him, and they want us to have this discourse to, to, to sow mistrust in each other.
1: This is what they're doing instead of offering like a comprehensive pandemic bill for Oklahoma residents. They're like, well, if you want money so bad, go catch Bigfoot.
0: Yeah, no joke. We're not going to offer you health care, extended unemployment, any of those. But if you like to go catch Bigfoot. (laughs)
1: Can you imagine if you were just like a six foot four man in Oklahoma with like a big beard and like long hair because of the pandemic, like, and you kind of walked hunched over because you've been tall your whole life and you swing your arms? What a te- what a terrible time to be alive. I'm just saying, I want to go to Oklahoma for
0: two reasons. One is to see my my grandmother, both of them, and my great grandmother, who's in her nineties. Uh huh. And the second reason is to take part in a Bigfoot hunt. I don't want them harmed. I want to capture and release.
1: Well, you are a leader, so I'm sure you'll be able to rile up a group of people ready to go.
0: The current plan is to allow businesses along State Highway 259A to sell annual Bigfoot tracking permits and profits from the sales would stay in local communities.
1: Humphrey said his ultimate goal is to draw in tourists by providing safe, affordable fun. What the fuck is this? Hey, man, we're hunting Bigfoot. You on board? Do you really, Oklahoma, do you really want random tourists coming into your town armed, running through your forests?
0: Yes, that is a recreational pastime in Oklahoma. They're going to be out there regardless of the season. It, it's either pheasant season, deer season, you know, it,
1: bird season <laughs> is the bigfoot. Now, if if I go out there because I'm hunting pheasants and I catch bigfoot, but I don't have the bigfoot permit, I only have a pheasant permit. Permit, am I going to go to jail? Probably. The state game warden's going to come down on your ass.
0: Oh man! Now the scientific community will be thrilled,
1: and you and me, because I there's so a <laughs> There's a show called Texas Game Wardens. It's a discovery show. I've seen one or two episodes. This show is so boring. It's literally just like you know like the discovery channel like musics where they can make things like dry race does this too where they make small moments bigger with sound and editing Uh so they're doing this but the entire show is just these game wardens like giving people shit about hunting permits (laughs) just like harass it's like if you gave an la parking uh person their own show it's like you watch it and you're like these people are just being dicks there was a reality show about parking and meter maids really yes
0: Ugh, ban it. Ban it all. You know what else we should ban? Yeah, our next story. A hundred percent. According to thehill.com, a Missouri pastor sparked outrage following a sermon he gave that many are calling sexist and misogynistic. What? A pastor says something sexist and misogynistic? That's crazy. That's, I've never heard of such a thing. We better get into the story. Okay. Pastor Stuart Allen Clark of Missouri's Malden First General Baptist Church said that in his Sunday sermon that women should look to maintain their figures and lose weight in order to keep their husband's attention. He also used a photo of former First Lady Melania Trump as an example of what women should aspire to.
1: Now look, I'm not saying every woman can be the epic, epic trophy wife of all time like Melania Trump. I'm not saying that at all. Most women can't be trophy wives. But, you know, maybe you're a participation trophy. I don't know. But all I can say is not everybody look like that. Amen. Not everybody looks like that. But well, you don't need to look like a butch either. Excellent job. Thank you. Thank you. Take um, me to church. <laughs> I don't know. I agree. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: Hard hard agree. I don't know why this
1: story's on the document. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what is this, CNN? It wasn't a dig at CNN. I was trying to say that we were more serious. Fuck this guy. I mean, do you really want a trophy-like wife like Melania Trump who, like, <laughs> recoils at your touch? <laughs> Truly recoils at his touch. Now, I think she's like, awful and yeah. a birther and is complicit, but she hates him. She hates – she probably hates him more than any of us are even capable of hating him. hmm Not a couple in love. No. Yeah, this is just kind of rude. I don't see what it has to do with the Bible. Oh, 1 Timothy. Thou must look like a trophy wife. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess, like I said, what's the problem? (laughs)
0: Oh, my goodness.
1: And now, Cassandra? What's up? That's pretty
0: controversial. (laughs) Okay. And you know what else is pretty controversial? This fake story. You think it's fake? I think so, but let's talk about it. Okay. Nutter Butter's controversial rebranding has become the buzz of social
1: media for its new aggressive and sexual tone. This is according to secondinternet.com, which is a scary website name in my opinion. The peanut butter cookie company
0: has taken a no-holds-bar approach to Twitter, insulting competitors and threatening children with peanut allergies. You know what? I just Googled their Twitter. And this is a fake
1: story, but I I like it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love this story. But like I looked up their Twitter immediately and I was like, no, (laughs) their Twitter is fun. But so this is what this fake story (laughs) says their Twitter is. This is at Nutter Butter. Holy shit. Just tasted a Fig Newton. Tastes like a dog's dick. What's another one? How does the
0: author know what a dog's dick tastes like?
1: I mean, that's true. Another one. Famous Amos is some racist ass blackface shit. Little Jim Crow cookies. Cancel they ass.
0: (laughs) The tweet, again, this is a fake story as we've just discovered, but the article reads, The tweet launched an instant Twitter backlash against Famous Amos cookies for their completely unsubstantiated claim that they in fact are Little Jim Crow cookies. Alan Sigelman, CEO of Famous Amos, told reporters, We were founded in 1975 and have no association with blackface or Jim Crow segregation. Maybe they were thinking of Aunt Jemima or Uncle Ben. I assure you, we do not support racism.
1: Yeah. So this is another thread that is, again, this is fake. At Nutter Butter, your daddy must be snacking on Chips Ahoy, but I've been nutting in your mama's mouth since we was in middle school. Gagoosh. And then Chips Ahoy. (laughs) responded, at Nutterbutter, um, okay. Is that supposed to be, like, funny or something? That's disgusting. And then Nutterbutter said, at Chips Ahoy, fuck yourself, kid. You a chode stump. Slurp, slurp. That's your mama. Hashtag Cucks Ahoy. And Chips Ahoy said, at Nutterbutter, bruh, just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. This is how I knew it was fake, because I was like, the, the correspondence, I'm like, no, the person who runs Chips Ahoy's social media doesn't say bruh. And then Chips and the Nutter Butter said, at Chips Ahoy, blat, 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 blat busting so much nut mutter in your kind-hearted mama, she looked like, uh, at Little Debbie oatmeal cream pie. Which then, at Little Debbie responded, fuck, RIP, at Chips Ahoy, hashtag Cucks Ahoy. This is not a real story. This is not a real story. I should have caught that earlier, but I was just reading it as if it were some Twitter war. I mean, I, what joy that you must have felt this whole time thinking that this was real. Because yeah. Yeah. like when I first saw it, I got excited. But then I was like, no. Because famously, Wendy's has the best fast food Twitter. Yes. And that's why I was like, oh, maybe this is real. But n- n- no, it's not real. <laughs> Damn. Entertaining nonetheless, but not real. We love it. You know what <laughs> was real? Ooh, what? What happened in our next story, according to azfamily.com, huge brawl breaks out at Bath & Body Works in Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall. And you know what? If you can't fight there, where the fuck are you supposed to fight? If I don't get my goddamn scented candles, I will cut a bitch. I always walk into Bath & Body Works ready to throw hands. Always. Oh, always. Especially no. in Scottsdale? Fuck,
0: I'm, I'm showing up with gloves on. Mm-hmm. To clean up the mess I make after me. That's why. A huge fight broke out That's at the That's not bathroom. what
1: boxing gloves are for.
0: Do you think the boxing gloves are to clean up after? Oh, I thought you were talking about like dainty cleanup gloves.
1: Oh, no, I'm talking about boxing gloves. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I got it <laughs> like, now. Oh, yeah. Muhammad Ali he would punch people in the face and then clean up afterwards with his boxing gloves. Duh. Oh. <laughs> uh,
0: A huge fight broke out at Bath & Body Works store in Scottsdale Fashion Square Mall Saturday evening. Scottsdale Police Sergeant Kevin Kwan said the fight started over someone cutting
1: in line. The video tweeted by Genevieve Denslow from Avondale, Avondale shows a customer and employee fighting. Then other employees jump in to try to stop the fight, but then it turns into a huge brawl. Denslow had been out shopping with her mom when things got crazy down the soap and lotion aisle. It all escalated
0: very quickly, said Dinslow. It was just arguing at first, and then out of nowhere, you could see that other customers in the store that had nothing to do with it in the first place. Then an employee trying to get customers out, and everyone was on the floor.
1: Scottsdale police told uh, Arizona's family. Oh, that's its site. I was like, who's Arizona's family? <laughs> The McCain's Scottsdale police told the McCain's on Monday afternoon that 25 year old Brianna Johnson and 45 year old JoLynn Daniel were issued for assault and disorderly conduct. Both of them were allegedly involved in the checkout line fight.
0: I heard them arguing at first and were watching that. Then I saw another guy taping it and thought, that's a pretty good idea. So I started recording it. And right when I started recording, they ended up fist fighting. So it was really perfectly timing.
1: So it wasn't until we started doing this podcast that I realized how frequently people who just watch things happen, but don't actually, they're not actually involved, get interviewed. Like, who cares? <laughs> who ca- like, what if, What kind of fucking statement is that? Well, I was there and then someone else pulled out their phone and I was like, oh, yeah, I should do that, too. And then they fought. It's like, great. Great journalism. Get her a Pulitzer.
0: <laughs> her video went viral and has millions of views from around the world. She added the police arrived pretty fast and things calmed down quickly.
1: So there's the Scottsdale police can't find any evidence to support the claim. However, there's been claims made by the person who was involved in the fight. The I think the person who works at Bed Bath & Beyond that it was a racially motivated um Mat COVID 19 mask kind of thing like i'm pretty sure that the woman the 45 year old woman who wasn't wearing a mask then called an employee the n-word oh and then everyone God. started fighting yeah
0: i would i would throw hands if someone did something like that i understand
1: yeah like I, I you know i say i was gonna say i joke about going to bath and body works you know to get in fights that that's not a joke i do i go in there to really fight but n- not to say the N-word. You never say the N-word. Ever. It doesn't matter if
0: you have low blood sugar. doesn't matter if you're Papa John. Like, you just don't do it.
1: So knock it off. If you say the N-word, you should get fucked. Agreed. Agreed. You know what else is kind of fucked? What's fucked?
0: I think people bedazzling their dog's testicles with glitter is kind of fucked
1: up. I, I can't. I can't even believe this. I'm, this, I don't, you have to post the picture on on our Instagram, but I also don't want to see it in my feed. Like, I saw it once and I was like, "Mm, yep, my whole day is ruined. Well,
0: beloved American prize wizard Bob Barker used to give us a daily reminder to spay and neuter our pets. But, if this latest trend hits the mainstream, we should probably start sterilizing all humans. Damn.
1: Wow, sassy, sassy writer. But also I agree. This is all according to rare.us. Yeah, they're they're putting I mean, it is it's what it sounds like they're they're putting corn syrup and glitter on little dog balls. I mean, it looks gross.
0: Yeah, the article says that as a species, we need a new predator that we've reached the top of the food chain for too long. And that
1: this is where we are. Well, that's a little harsh. I don't think that, you know, we necessarily need a new predator. I mean, frankly, we had one this year with the COVID-19. But yeah, definitely, like, if you work at a dog salon and someone comes in and goes, hey, my dog that's not neutered for some fucking reason, can you put, can you dip his balls in glitter, please? I think it'll look nice. As a groomer, I would say, just, you know, tell these people to get the fuck out. Have you heard about when people will insert fake?
0: testicles, and, like, after they've had their dog uh, neutered, they'll give them, like, inserts.
1: I think those like, are called neuticles. Neuticles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have heard of that. Uh, I still don't get it. Because I mean, then if you have someone come up to you and go, hey, like, you know, you can't be in the dog park. You have – your dog isn't neutered. And then you have to go, oh, no, 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 no. He's got neuticles. Uh-huh. And then, like – Dogs don't miss their balls and they live longer without them. We miss their balls. Do you?
0: No, I mean I don't have a dog. I'm just saying oh, <laughs> You're we're just saying people. We're projecting onto dogs.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I always I always have girl dogs just because, you know, it's just my personal preference. But yeah, whenever you see a dog with a big old nutsack, it's uncomfortable. Agreed. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just like a dog, but like little <laughs> squeeze their little
0: Well, the trend first hit the public awareness after being shared to the Royal Paul's Pet Salon, facebook page the north carolina pet salon however is not the purveyor of sparkling dog balls they posted the picture for entertainment purposes only and assured their customers that they absolutely would not be partaking in the testicular bedazzlement
1: some people have called this animal cruelty but you can at least be satisfied in knowing that the only thing being hurt is the dog's pride the glitter is edible and applied to the dog's scrotum with corn syrup it's not dangerous for the dogs who've licked far worse than their balls and sugar Oh, wow. Now I'm thinking about it, too. Like, you get the glitter on their balls. You know how hard it is to get glitter off of anything? Your stupid dog's tongue is going to be covered in glitter. Your couch, your rugs. The second your dog gets home, he starts scooting or something to get the glitter off of his balls. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the poop full of glitter as well? Oh, yeah. Of course. This – some people – Bless their hearts. Bless their heart. Uh, speaking of bless their heart, Whew, according to the Business Insider.com, the Burger King apologizes for saying women belong in the kitchen in a tweet advertising a new scholarship for female chefs. Burger King's
0: global chief marketing officer said he is sorry about how the company tweet came across.
1: A tweet which read women belong in the kitchen was a mistake
0: doi doi burger king launched a scholarship to help women get into
1: culinary arts and became and become head chefs the fast food chain tweeted the message on international women's day as a part of its launch of an initiative to help increase the number of women in head chef roles but many on twitter said the company's initial tweet which was followed by or which was followed in a thread by an explanation of its initiative was tone deaf Some told the Burger King UK account to delete the tweet and others vowed not to eat at the chain anymore. Following the backlash, the company said in an email
0: statement to Insider that our tweet in the UK today was designed to draw attention to the fact that only a small percentage of chefs and head chefs are women. It was our mistake to not include the full explanation in our initial tweet and have adjusted the activity moving forward because we're sure that when people read the entirety of our commitment, they will share our belief in this
1: important opportunity. It's like someone in their PR office was like, women belong in the kitchen. God, that has a good ring to it. Why does it have a good ring to it? Have I heard that before? Whatever. It sounds awesome. Women belong in the kitchen. Yeah, I like that. Should we add barefoot and pregnant to it as well? Oh, God, that sounds so much better. But oh, no, no, no. But they have to wear non-slip shoes if they're wearing at Burger King. So we we can't do that. And also, we don't give them paternity leave.
0: Oh, that's right. We are a horrible fast food
1: corporation. Mm Mm-hmm. So let's just say, women belong in the kitchen. Perfect. I earned my salary. I can't believe Wendy's didn't have anything to say about it. I know. Wendy's Wendy's awful silent. Awful silent. Probably because they don't have a scholarship trying to help women become (laughs) chefs. You know what is another dirtbag establishment? Ooh, tell me. According to the LAist.com, a judge granted a temporary restraining order allowing Burbank officials to enforce their closure order for Tinhorn Flats, a Western themed bar and restaurant, and that has flouted COVID-19 safety protocols. This is personal. Yeah, this is uh this is this is LA base. This is our backyard. My this is my where I went to high school, old Burbank. This uh bar is down down a couple roads. And this bar is a piece of shit.
0: I used, when I lived in North Hollywood briefly, I would drive past it all the time and I never went in.
1: Yeah, no, I never went in because it was always like, it was just like weird, cra- like Burbank's not a big party town. So there was a long time where I felt like Tinhorn Flats outside of like the corporate like restaurants, like islands and stuff. Tinhorn Flats was like the only bar in Burbank mm-hmm um they've since opened like a couple more but like yeah for the longest times it was like the the only bars in burbank were really gross and so now tin horn flats well okay so in late dis- november when los angeles county temporarily banned outdoor dining at restaurants tin horn flats allegedly continued serving customers on its patio the outdoor dining ban has been lifted since since in late january in defending Tenhorn Flats, attorney Mark Garagos, who
0: was instrumental in the lawsuit to overturn L.A. County's outdoor dining ban and owns DTLA Restaurant Engine Company Number no. 28, argued that the city of Burbank hadn't given the owner sufficient notice of the lawsuit.
1: L.A. Superior Court Judge Mitchell L. Beckloff didn't buy that argument. Local officials have been in a slow-motion standoff with the restaurant's owners, the LePigeon family, for months.
0: In late January, the LA County of Public Health revoked the saloon's health permit. A month later, the Burbank City Council revoked its conditional use permit. Last week, the city of Burbank sued Tinhorn Flats. Each time, Tinhorn Flats remained
1: open. So like, there's your health permit gone. Here's your, like they they took their liquor license. They took everything. You're getting sued by the city and yet still open. Just still working. Just still going on. And it's like, you don't have good food. No, it's, it's gross there. Right now, if you drive by it, there's a sign on the window that says peaceful protest site. It's American flag and it says peaceful protest site. So they're basically claiming that what they're doing by continuing to stay open. I think that they allow indoor dining there too without a mask is uh, they, they're calling it a protest. Tinhorn Flats hasn't commented on the ruling, but they... Did launch a crowdfunding campaign to help with the legal fees, and they've raised, as the time of this writing of the article, more than five thousand of the thirty thousand dollar goal.
0: Who is who is like so hard up for Tin Horn Flats?
1: I mean, look. First of all, go to if you go to Tin Horn Flats's Instagram, it is garbage. But there is a sig- small but significant population of Burbank that is, you know, like. If you ever seek footage online of like, oh, there's a Trump parade in LA, where would that be? You're looking at either Beverly Hills, Pasadena, or the Bee Boogie Herself Burbank. Like <laughs> it's every time I go to Burbank, it's one of those places where I'm like, the energy here is uh, mixed.
0: I have like a permanent stain on Burbank over my heart. I a guy I was dating like, almost 10 years ago. And I went and saw a movie in Burbank. I took the train from work. So he had to drive me back down to my car in downtown LA at the Grand Central Station. So we break up on that car ride still in Burbank. What was the movie? It was a Will Ferrell movie. It had nothing to do with it. (laughs) Okay. We break up at the beginning of the car ride. And I'm like, Softly whimpering. I'm a little sad, you know. And so I'm like, hey, pro tip. Next time you break up with someone, do it at the end of the car ride, not at the beginning. Oh my God. <laughs> so we just sat in like silence from Burbank to downtown. <laughs> <laughs> Why did it why'd you break up? Oh, we were terrible for one another.
1: That's fair. We were terrible. I mean- yeah, I mean there was a hot minute where like cuz Burbank downtown Burbank fun fact, three movie theaters in downtown Great. Burbank, all walking distance from each other. There's a <laughs> a 16, a 6 and an 8 AMC's. All three AMC's. Mhm. AMC was like, we're going to lay some eggs here. We're going to double, triple down. Yeah, but I don't know. I mean, I got a special heart place in my heart for Burbank because it's where I went to high school, but like Burbank is fucking trash.
0: Yeah. You know what else is trash? What? Some of the traditions in our next story. According to the thedailymail.com, my mom dresses up the Thanksgiving turkey before she cooks it. People reveal the weirdest things their families do from putting everyone's weight and height on Christmas cards to drinking tuna water.
1: So this is a this was started as a Twitter trend started by old Jimmy Fallon uh, with the hashtag, my family is weird. And some of these tweets are very funny. We've got one uh, from at Megan Hughes 93 said, every time I would leave my great grandma, she would bite my earlobe really hard when I hugged her goodbye. Whenever I brought up the issue to my mom, she would just tell me it's just what she does. <laughs> hashtag my family is weird.
0: Every... Christmas, my dad prints off my brother's entire search history from the past year and makes it into a scrapbook for the family's entertainment. Hashtag my family is weird.
1: Since high school, we have had a tradition of hanging the Christmas clown. He is kept in his own special box. He even has a special hook that my dad installed just for him in a beam in the ceiling. Masterani family tradition. Hashtag my family is weird with like this terrifying clown.
0: (laughs) My toddler son unzipped my pantsuit down to the, my navel at a church function while I was talking to the pastor. That just sounds like a little kid being a little kid.
1: Yeah, that doesn't sound like a weird thing. When my father opens a can of tuna, he drinks the tuna water. <laughs> that one grosses me out. Hashtag my family's weird. Hashtag
0: my family is weird. My uncle sent me his beard hair when I was little because he said my Barbies needed armpit hair. I paid him back by mailing him my beard. Brother's hair 20 years later. The next Christmas, I got this from him. That's my brother's hair on a doll he found in his yard. Yikes.
1: Oh, that family is fucking weird.
0: Does <laughs> your family do anything weird? Uh, I think we're I I think we're just weird in general. I think something that's unusual is we celebrate Christmas Eve, like Christmas. And I realized when I was little, my parents told me it's because Santa visited our house first. Mm-hmm. And then when I got older, I'm like, they just didn't want to
1: fucking wake up
0: at 6 (laughs) a.m.
1: I mean, that's kind of brilliant. Mm -hmm. So as far as you know, Santa came Christmas Eve.
0: Yeah, he started his route Christmas Eve. That makes sense. Yeah, he visited our house first. And so I was like, yeah, that's the most direct route is from
1: the North fucking Pole to Sterling, Oklahoma. Of course. (laughs) Uh, we always said Christmas Eve also, but I think – well, because Christmas Eve, a lot for Hispanic cultures, is definitely like – that's the big one. So it was always Christmas Eve and then the night – then the next night or next day, morning, everyone kind of did their own individual things. But Christmas Eve was a huge family party. And we would – there's like a Santa suit that is just owned by someone in the family. And every year, someone has to dress up like Santa and like – come and hand out presents. And like, when I think back on it, first of all, I played Santa one year because I just wanted to um, when I was older. But uh, when I was a kid, it was kind of, it was always like, you know, (laughs) if anyone brought like a new boyfriend or something, they would be forced to be Santa. So there's been probably a lot of Santas in my childhood that I never have seen again. Um, Uh And then there was also like this weird, like, sexual connotation that always got attached to it because it would be like, you know, like if like one of the uncles was like being Santa, they'd be like, oh get like someone get your wife over there to be your helper. And then it would always be like, oh, someone kissed Santa. And then it was like always like weird if it was one of like my cousin's parents being like, oh my mom just kissed Santa Claus. <laughs> like, it was it it was a strange it's a strange tradition. I don't know if it still happens. There are a lot more kids now in my family again. I, I just don't go to Colorado very often for Christmas because it's mm-hmm. expensive to travel. But like that was always like, yeah. And this Santa suit is not good quality. It, right. it, I, I don't know who it's for, but like the adults were always so shitty wasted by the time it would happen. I kind of dig it though. Like I kind of like want to, when, when I have kids and around more people with kids, like I kind of want to loop that back around.
0: Yeah, that's a
1: great tradition. I think At it's ho- fun.
0: At holidays, we always take a photo with the significant others of the family, and then one without just in case they break up. Smart.
1: Yeah. What a what a bummer if like only one has a breakup, but then the others survive. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've had many a uh, okay, now one without the boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is the last thing I'll say. Is that my my boyfriend's family has a, a a a portrait painted of their family, like Schitt's Creek level, like painted portrait of their family. It doesn't look like the one in Schitt's Creek where they're all like sitting on a couch together, but like they're all like around a fountain, and so like the front of it is like his his mom and dad with a dog. Or no, 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 it's It's just his mom and dad. And then to the left of the fountain is one of his sisters and her husband. They're like 20 years apart, his sisters and him. And then on the back is a second sister posing with a plant. And then on the right side is him as a kid with, a, with their dog, their family dog. I later found out that it used to be in the back his other sister, with her husband. But then they got divorced, so they paid the artist to go back and turn the husband into a bird of paradise. <laughs> <laughs> I this portrait is the best. Iconic. Yeah, it's it's the weirdest, like, most... It's just such a weird move mm-hmm. to be like, get out, paint and paint brushes, and paint my fucking family. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love it. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. <laughs> you know what my favorite thing is? What? Hooters Airlines. This is a historical trash. Yeah, this is, uh, this is from a recent story about the airline that was launched in 2003. From the businessinsider.com. The rise and fall of Hooters Airlines.
1: The company cited a number of reasons for the airline's failure, including a $40 million loss. In the short time that Hooters Air existed, it made a a major economic impact on one city in particular, Myrtle Beach, South Carolina.
0: We talked to a former Hooters Air employee who told us what it was really like to work for the airline.
1: (laughs) Ran for three years and was shut down three years later. So Hooters Air puts the fun back into flying, Hooters girl on every flight. All leather seats with extra leg room. Call 888-FLY-HOOT. You know, my nickname in high school was Hooter. Oh, why, Erica? Because I had huge knockers. Mm. And I hated it. They opened a Hooters in Burbank and like there was some girls like who I went to high school with. They're like, oh, maybe we should should we go be hostesses at the Hooters in Burbank because mm-hmm. they would hire teenagers to do that. And I uh, decided against it, ultimately, because I didn't want to run into people I knew. That's But I fair. was like, I'll go work at the Hooters in Hollywood as a host. Yeah, nobody will know you in Hollywood. Yeah, it's pretty creepy if you think about it. If you think about all of Hooters in general, it's pretty creepy. <laughs> I mean, I support their right to, to to work
0: there. But the chain has had, what, numerous lawsuits against men not being allowed to, to become Hooters. Employees. Is that the biggest problem? I there's some sexual dynamics going on in there that are kind of weird. Like not hiring males to be Hooters employees.
1: Well, but the whole sense of it's it the fucking restaurant's not about owls, Erica. It's about big old titties. It was the first restaurant chain. Uh you know what my favorite restaurant chain is? What? Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks is the only other one I can think of. And Ew, why do these restaurants exist? The Tilted Kilts in Anaheim. I used to go there before hockey games. You're right, that's another one. What the fuck is this? Like, (laughs) this is crazy. This is from the 80s until the early 2000s. Hooters was a very successful kind of growing business. So by 2003, Hooters was flush with cash, cash, and Bob Brooks wanted to expand the brand. So he bought a small North Carolina-based charter airline called Pace Airlines. He repainted the airlines with the company logo, and Hooters Airline took off. Most flights were advertised as low as
0: $129 one way. But you had to fly out of South Carolina or what? That was like one of the hubs, and that's why it was so fruitful for that particular area.
1: This, there's a Hooters Casino? in, uh-huh. La- in uh, las Vegas yes it's off
0: the strip it's like um it's like the butt end of the strip you know where the excalibur is uh-huh it's like across the street
1: well if you're but excalibur's on the strip so if you're across the street wouldn't you be or you mean across the street on the other side across the street on the other way it's like cheap to stay there right
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've never uh, inquired fair enough one of the former employees said I never saw any kind of harassment there was definitely flirtiness. With any flight, you're going to come across people that have drank too much, but nothing bad. It was fun. We did our job. It was just, you know, very happy memories.
1: The flight attendants are the ones who serve all the food and drinks per usual. This is uh, someone who's commenting. I had a professional uniform. I had a navy blue dress with, like, a little orange scarf. Very professional. It had a little owl embroidered on it. So they didn't dress like Cooters girls. They still look like flight attendants. Well, that's kind of not what I expected, you know? It just sounds like, it it sounds like this guy was like, I could make a lot of money if I got into the airline business. Like, yeah, like everybody thinks.
0: Does everyone think that? Well, I mean, you hear about these like cheap airlines that like rise up and then fall.
1: Yeah, that's true. It's just like, maybe like if you're going to buy an airline, like you don't need to extend it as your Hooters brand.
0: Yeah, fair enough. You know what else uh, you don't need to do? What? You don't need to sit in bean dip for 24 hours. You're going to have to explain a little bit more than that. Well, a man named Hunter Ray Barker is sitting in an inflatable pool of beans for 24 hours and Lana Del Rey, resident garbage woman herself,
1: came for a visit. So, this is according to Stereo Dum- Oops. So this is according to stereogum.com. Um, and this was a uh Way for this guy to save his favorite restaurant.
0: Again, Hunter Ray Barker called a golden opportunity to grab the bull by the horns and support local businesses in a big explosive way. And he climbed into a vat of beans outside of Los Toros in Chatsworth, California.
1: Aside from the soap, Barker also got the restaurant's logo, three expressive cartoon bullheads tattooed on his arm while sitting in the tub. And Lana Del Rey was there to document it and cheer him on.
0: The singer-songwriter shared an Instagram photo mid-tattoo sesh with a simple caption, Don't ask why.
1: Ugh. Isn't that the whole point of you fucking being there, Lana? To raise awareness? Like, yeah, if you go there to raise awareness, but then you're like, I'm not going to tell you where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Way to be.
0: Yeah, so that's uh, Lana Del Rey. Stop by. And just it just feels very on brand for her to be there.
1: Apparently, uh, Delray's brother Charlie Grant is friends with this guy, so that is probably how she found out about it. But is there any food that you would sit in for twenty four hours? Uh, Jello. Really?
0: Yeah, I think it'd be fun and squishy. For for think about how long twenty four hours is. Jelly beans. <laughs> I changed my answer to jelly beans. You think that's more comfy? Yeah, it would be like like a little massage, you know. You you'd just shift your weight in the belly, the belly, belly bean jelly bean. pool.
1: And you wouldn't be tempted to eat them because uh, jelly beans fucking suck. Okay, on to our next story. Disgusting. <laughs> According to Insider.com, a Texas man borrowed a BMW from a dealership, used it to rob a bank, then returned and paid for the car with the stolen cash. Eric Great.
0: Dion Warren, fifty. Tried to use $3,000 of the stolen cash for the BMW's down payment.
1: I I think this is a great idea. Am I crazy? I mean, it's brilliant. (laughs) If you're going to rob a bank anyways, why not, you know, why not do it in a car that has no plates? But then, you know, to, to save the business, just buy the car real fast. But it takes so long to buy a car. Yeah, it's not a,
0: oh, it's, they they talk you into every layer. There's something they want to add on. They want to get you into some kind of financing. Yep. You think it could be, I mean, it's an hour tops, but they drag it out to be at least four hours.
1: Now, are you interested in getting gap insurance? Yeah, whatever, whatever. I gotta go. I need this fucking car.
0: I like to show up to the dealership. I've only bought one car in my life, but I showed up to the dealership an hour and a half before they closed smart. And I was like, that's how long it's going to take us to buy this car.
1: I Last time I bought a car, which was, you know, like last year, (laughs) I buy cars all the time. No, when I bought my car last year, I didn't know necessarily that I was going to have the intention to buy. Like I knew I needed a car for sure, but I didn't know if I was going to buy a car that day or if it was going to be the next day or whatever. So I kind of like wasn't really thinking about my look. And I realized as I went from dealership to dealership, you know, looking at new cars that I wasn't being taken very seriously until I, you know, got to the Kia dealership, which is where I was taken seriously and I bought a car. But then I thought about it and, like, this isn't my normal style, but I was wearing overalls, a little yellow flowery t-shirt, my hair was in space buns, and I had a backpack on. I looked like an adult child. Yeah. (laughs) So, like, of fucking course, no one was taking me seriously. (laughs) I looked lost. Yeah. (laughs) Can we help you?
0: Are you here to sell Girl Scout cookies?
1: Yeah. I was like, I I didn't dawn on me until I was like running back to my car to grab my license before I took on like the, (laughs) went on the test drive. And then I was like, I look fucking stupid right now. (laughs) Like, no wonder no one talked to me over at Subaru. I wouldn't have talked to me either. Little do they know, you had cash ready to spend. I was ready to buy a car. By the time I got the guy talking to me, I said, look, I'm going to need you to sell me something today. And mm-hmm. he said, I got you. And I yeah. got a car.
0: Yeah, I, I broke my trip into two, into two you know processes. I went the first day, found the car, test drove, got the bank loan, went back to the dealership with an hour and a half left. And I was like, we're doing this today. Smart. Yeah. Uh, I just like to be sold. (laughs) Anyway. I used to work for used car dealers and new car dealers. Uh, I was like a lot spotter where people, as they walked onto the lot, I would be like, can I help you get a dealership representative? And it was pretty sweet money for a 16-year-old. A 16-year-old?
1: Mm-hmm. Just 16-year-old, just, like, baking in the sun all day?
0: (laughs) Oh, it was an inside job. It was a... Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Speaking of inside job, the dealership employee received a call about the robbery that matched the getaway vehicle to the car. Warren pleaded guilty to bank robbery and was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison on Tuesday. 20 years?
1: I guess that makes sense. He robbed a bank.
0: (laughs) And he didn't do it, like, in a nice way. He wrote a note to the teller that read, this is a fucking robbery. Play with me and die. I want $10,000 in $50 and $100 bills now.
1: You got one minute or I will kill you. Bringing out what was believed to have been a handgun, the bank robber said, I ain't playing around. I only want hundreds and fifties. Don't push any buttons.
0: Before fleeing the scene with several thousands of dollars, including bills with recorded serial numbers. Yeah, you can't just rob a bank anymore, you guys. You gotta get non-sequential bills. Well, how do you do that? You say, I want non-sequential bills. How the fuck do you know that? I watch a lot of bank robbery and heist movies.
1: Okay, so I like like a car chase. If you and I robbed a bank... Mm Mm-hmm. If you handle the bank part, I'll handle the getaway driving because there's a trick to this. Yeah. If you go on a day where there's a marine layer, then no then the helicopters on the news and the police copters uh-huh. can't find you anymore. Oh. So if you drive if you drive your car and you follow the law, even if you're even if you're being tailed and it's a car chase, if you follow the rules, the police will stay far enough back away from you. Or, or they'll let you kind of keep going and they'll let the helicopters watch you uh-huh. because it's just easier that way because you're not a detriment to society. They're going to catch you anyways. But if you start going towards the ocean and you get in that marine layer, you lost.
0: You lost. They'll never find you.
1: Yeah. Welcome to Trashy Trashy where we tell you how to commit crimes.
0: That was for educational purposes and entertainment only. Only. <laughs> not educational. Only entertainment purposes. Only. Uh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> When the purchase was being finished, an employee received a call about the nearby bank robbery and realized that the description of the getaway vehicle matched the car that Warren was about to buy. He was arrested with $5,086 in cash, and the police recovered a pellet gun that resembled a handgun. His fingerprints and DNA were found on the demand note given to the bank teller.
0: He pled guilty to robbery in August 2020 and was sentenced to 20 years in federal prison, the statutory maximum, on Tuesday.
1: I mean, you have to give so much information to buy a car. Like, did he really think this would work?
0: I think he did. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I guess so.
0: <laughs> I think he thought it would work. You know what he was
1: doing? What? He was thinking positively. <sighs> Hold on. Are you trying to tell me something? That you're that you're ready for something? I think we're ready. It's the dumpster fire of the week. Pshh. stay positive. Toxic positivity is a thing and it's a big problem during the pandemic. According to healthline.com, we shouldn't have to pretend that everything is okay when it isn't.
0: When I was laid out for my staff job a little less than a month ago, many well-meaning friendly fam- friends and family rushed to tell me that I needed to, quote, stay positive.
1: I'd be back on my feet if I just stayed focused,
0: they said. Plus, they reminded me it could be much worse. At least I was getting severance, and at least my husband was still employed, and at least I still had my good health.
1: The undertone was clear. I should be grateful for what I did have. I shouldn't dwell on what I had just lost. No one meant to hurt me during these
0: comments. They were trying to make me feel better, and of course I was grateful for what I did have. I knew I was
1: still pretty privileged position. But that didn't mean that the situation didn't suck.
0: Yeah. What is toxic positivity? Toxic positivity is the assumption either by oneself or others that despite a person's emotional pain or difficult situation, they should have a positive mindset or my pet peeve term, positive vibes, explains Dr. Jamie Zuckerman, a clinical psychologist in Pennsylvania who specializes in, among other things, anxiety disorders and self-esteem.
1: This is real. I Um, hate toxic positivity i am guilty i've inflicted on myself Mm -hmm. i believe that in my lifetime maybe in the past more so that i've inflicted it on others i don't think that like but i only do it mm, i used to have a problem when people would go through breakups that i would be like cheer up let's go out Mm -hmm. And now I see that that was based in my own selfishness, especially now as I get, you know, I'm more mature and I have been through breakups of my own. And I know that it is not as simple as cheer up and uh, let's go out. So I've definitely been guilty, at least in that scenario. And uh, I do this to myself all the time. I tell myself to, to relax and cheer up all the time. And it's helpful when you have people around you who can validate what you're going through as significant agreed I find the worst people
0: of to be guilty of toxic positivity are the Huns the people that are involved in multi-level marketing schemes uh-huh they are toxic positivity to a T that's what a hun is yeah because they when they hit you up in your DMs they say hey hun Oh, (laughs) we haven't talked since high school, but would you like to try these lashes?
1: Yeah. And you know, it's, um, I had a lot of friends who had to cancel wedding last year Mm -hmm. and it was, and I feel like that was a, that's a moment where it's kind of like, you know, the people were losing their jobs. People were losing family members. COVID was very fucking hard for a lot of people. And I would say it's fucking hard to change your wedding date. And to have to reschedule and to maybe lose a couple thousand dollars over these kinds of things. And yeah, to be able to plan a wedding in general is a privilege, but like that doesn't change the fact that this fucking sucks. It's like, I think that that's basically what it is, is that because toxic positivity suddenly makes everyone's uh, problems a competition.
0: Yeah. Uh, Toxic positivity can take many forms. It can be a family member who chastises you for expressing frustration instead of listening to why you're upset. It can be a comment to look on the bright side or be grateful
1: for what you have. It can be a meme that tells you to change your outlook and to be happy. It can be a friend who repeatedly posts how productive they're being during lockdown. It can be your own feelings that you shouldn't dwell on your feelings of sadness, anxiety, loneliness, and fear.
0: With toxic positivity, negative emotions are seen as inherently bad instead of positively in happiness as compulsively pushed. And authentic human emotional experiences are denied, minimized, and invalidated.
1: So I, like I said, I saw something on Instagram about this and like I, I was going to repost it because I thought it was really cool, but I didn't repost it because I'm not kidding you. Like I think I've had a problem with this in the past. Yeah. Like I, this, now that this is coming up, I, I do think that I have, I'm guilty, guilty, guilty. I never, like I said, I never want to minimize someone else's problems, but I do, I think I've come from the perspective of like, you're stronger than you're giving yourself credit for mm-hmm. that kind of stuff rather than just, I think I've changed, but I mean, I'm also, you know, I like have been in therapy for almost two years. So, uh, right yeah, I'm not a perfect person. And I am admitting that I am. Uh, I am. I've done this.
0: I, I've i done this too. But I feel that I don't consider myself to be a negative person. But I recognize that emotions are valid more than I used to because I, I too used to be like, oh, cheer up, hun. It's gonna be fine. I not to bring it back to drag race, like I can do anything. But one of the contestants tells the other to have a PMA and he goes, what's that? And he goes, a positive mental attitude and he goes, oh, get fucked. (laughs) And I'm the voice that says, get fucked.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, there's so there's ways to attack this now. If someone says that they're sad about something rather than saying, you know, it'll get better. And there's people with bigger problems. We're supposed to say, "What are you sad about?" And listen, and try to find things they're comfortable in. I mean, like a lot. Of, what I realized a lot too is that not everyone's asking for your advice.
0: No, they just want you to listen. I don't need you to fix it. I don't need your advice. I just need you to hear me.
1: Some I've yeah, because I mean, sometimes you already know the answer to your own problem. You just need to fucking talk it out. mm Hmm. So this is super important and uh, hopefully, you know, it can be something that we're all more aware of, you know, not to do it, don't do it to other people, which I'm sure I've done and don't do it to yourself, which I know I've done. Mm -hmm.
0: Carol from the article state, judging yourself for feeling pain, sadness, and jealousy, which are part of the human experience and transient emotions leads to what are referred to as secondary emotions such as shame that are much more intense and maladaptive.
1: They distract us from the problem at hand and they don't give us space for self-compassion, which is so vital to our mental health. I agree. Like shame lives in the dark. Like shame is
0: something you carry. You know, I have tons of shame and like, I find that I am a shame based person. Like Mm. I carry things with me, but that's because I don't talk about them as much.
1: So, thank you, therapy. I had something happen. I can't get into, like, the major details, but I was on set uh, recently, and we were going to take another – we were going to take a scene again, but we were going to take it from after my line, and I asked if we could take it from before my line, which would have, you know, taken, like, maybe a couple more minutes because there was different, like – positions that we all had to be in, but this is a television show. So TV shoots fast. So the director said, I don't know if we have time to do that. I thought what you did, did already was really great. Like, is that a, you know, like, sorry, is that okay? And I was like, yeah, of course that's okay. You know, cause I didn't want to be a bother. And the only reason we were taking it again is because the other person who was a series regular on the show, whatever, this is a lot of inside baseball point is old Cassandra would have thought about that. For weeks, mm-hmm. embarrassed, ashamed of myself. Oh my God, whatever. Like, all this, like, just shame, 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 shame. New Cassandra <laughs> thought, all right, that's no big deal. Hey, if it was old Cassandra, I'd really think about that for a long time, but I'm not going to now. And I let it roll off my back <laughs> in a way that I've never been able to before because I think I'm getting a grip on my own shame. Because I used to be referred to as shameless, which I'm definitely not. Mm-hmm. Now I am. I think I that healthy line between shameless and shameful. Good. Thank you, I therapy. Think, yeah. Thank you, therapy. We love you.
0: I don't love therapy. Re- oh, right. I think it's super important and everyone should be in it, but I'm finding I'm having a hard time with it.
1: Do you feel like you need a new therapist? Because I remember you said when why you were trash is that you lied to your therapist and had to get off early. I did. I did tell her that a while ago and she
0: doesn't listen to the pod and we'll never discuss this. Maybe we should actually, maybe this is what I'll bring up, but maybe I do just need a new therapist. Yeah. Because I, uh,
1: I've never felt that way before. Mm.
0: Yeah. Your therapist suggests like cool TV shows. I just feel like everyone has like a, has a really cool relationship with their therapist. And I kind of am like, this is a thing I know I have to do. You need a new therapist. Okay. Yeah. You heard it here. All right. I will start the journey of transferring to a new therapist. Hey, what are you hoarding this week? I am hoarding a Netflix show called Murder Amongst the Mormons. Ooh. And it is juicy.
1: I almost turned it on the other day.
0: Get into true crime.
1: That's so hard for me because it's scary.
0: I know. I know. But it's it's uh, it's done really well. They've Netflix has put out some some stinkers recently in the true crime area. Uh huh. But this one, I think, is done very well.
1: How many episodes is it?
0: I'd, I'm just on episode one, but I really enjoy it. it.
1: OK, if this is another one where you come back <laughs> and take
0: it back. I promise I won't take this one back. I've heard it be recommended by other people
1: as well. Okay, okay, I believe you then. What are you hoarding? I am hoarding another Netflix show that is pure bona fide dumpster trash. It is called Marriage or Mortgage. I want to watch this so badly. <laughs> Marriage or Mortgage is a Netflix television show where they take young couples. Or not, uh, just couples in general. I guess the one I watched yesterday, they weren't that young. They take couples in love and engaged and make them choose with the little money that they have between a wedding or a new house. Amazing. Amazing. Like they have, so there's a wedding planner lady who takes them around to like venues or whatever. They, they, They ask what's important and all this kind of stuff. And then there's the real estate lady who is hot. Hot, hot. She looks like Faith Hill and Tilda Swinton together, and it is doing something for me. And she shows them homes, and this is this show. It, it, there's, it's so flawed, and I know that it's flawed. I'm gonna watch every single episode, and then I'm going to pour over internet articles about why it's so fucked up. Like this is just mm, 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 trash. But I feel like it was made for me because I love house hunters. I love judging people and their choices. I love those wedding shows. Say yes to the dress. I have opinions like, oh, this is just trash TV at its finest. And these women, they listen to the personal stories that the people tell like, oh, you know, well, we really want to have a wedding, you know, um, whatever, whatever, a Graceland wedding, blah, blah, blah. But we're in between that and a house because, you know, he has a daughter from a previous marriage and I really want to adopt a, adopt a son because my father was adopted. This is all in it. And then cut to, they're looking at the house that the real estate agent knows is the best one. Why don't you go check out the third bedroom? And they open the door and it's, a, it's staged as a fucking baby's room. And then they're crying, you're crying, everyone's crying. This show is dirty. It's dirty, dirty, dirty Netflix dogs. I it. And I'm not trying it. to spoil. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying to spoil anything, but everyone. <laughs> well, so far, not everyone, but a couple of the people who chose wedding. Then it was COVID. So they chose their weddings And then they had to put down their stew. Oh, it is just spaghetti. Love it. Are you throwing anything away? I'm throwing away um, my own habit of doing a bunch of food prep and then not craving to eat it anymore. Uh Uh-huh. That is, I'm guilty. I'm guilty as well. I made a big chicken noodle soup and a big chili. And I've been eating it, but (laughs) I don't want to. Last night, I I had the cart ready to go to order Thai food. And then I was like, Cassandra, no. Mm -hmm. What are you throwing away? I'm throwing away blue food dye. I ordered
0: from milk. I ordered a blue velvet piece of cake, which is essentially red velvet, but with blueberry flavoring. And it has upset my stomach. And turned everything a bright shade of green.
1: (laughs) And it is disgusting. Oh my God. That's worse than red velvet making you think that you're bleeding internally. Yes. So I'm I'm
0: going away blue dye.
1: I mean, that's got to turn your teeth blue. That's got to be a mess no matter what.
0: Oh, I was scrubbing with whitening toothpaste all night.
1: Was it good? Oh, it's delicious. Oh, no. Okay. Where do the people find you, Erica? At Iconic Erica Curry on
0: Instagram and
1: at Gilly Gal on Twitter. Where can they find you? You can find me at Cascardiness on Twitter and Instagram. You can also find me every Tuesday night on the Nooner Podcast on the Smodcast Radio Network. And on, I believe, March 22nd on the CW. This is episode 10, season 3, episode 10 Of All American. Find me on the old TV screen on the CW. And then lastly, mark your calendars for a couple weeks from now. You'll be able to find Erica and me on the Whack Brackets podcast.
0: Hell yeah. Mike from Whack Brackets had us on and we recorded some super fun episodes. So check them out.
1: Yeah, follow them on Instagram. Uh, They're very good at or he's very good at social media. So um, they'll... You'll know Mm -hmm. when our episode's going up. But I figure we start plugging it now.
0: Hell yeah. But check out Whack Brackets. It's a super fun podcast. Yes. Yes. Super, super fun. And you can find this podcast at Trashy Trashy Pod on Instagram and on Twitter or at www.trashytrashypodcast.com. Oh,
1: we love it. Such a good little website. Beautiful.
0: And while we did not get 100 reviews in the month of February, we want to appreciate each and every one of you that did take the time, and mm-hmm. we are still looking to break that 100 mark. So if you like this podcast, tell a friend, tell the write the review that says, hey, I like this podcast. It can be that simple. It takes an additional 15 seconds to give us five stars and say, hey, I like these garbage pails. Thank you, and we love you for it. And we love you. Uh, Hey, Cass. What's going on, girl? Stay garbage.
1: You stay garbage, my friend. Oh, I will. Bye-bye. Bye.